This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. One of the most underrated parts of a trip is that flight home. And that's why Delta Airlines tries to make you feel at home long before you even get there. Now, for somebody like me that's a homebody, feeling at home in the air is very valuable to me. And I love to curate that comfortable experience. And what I love about Delta is they have over a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment. They have Wi-Fi so I can do anything else that I want to do on my devices. They have great food and drink, and it just creates a positive end to my trip. They have fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members, more than a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment, and they have premium food options and beverages like herbal teas, cold brew, sparkling wine, and more. All of the comforts that you'll find at home, you can find in a flight experience that feels made just for you. You may not be home yet, but Delta Airlines helps you feel a little bit more like it. Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. This episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast is brought to you by the Blessed and Bossed Up Society. If you've ever felt alone in your journey and wanted to be around women who get it, women who love God and are about their business, Blessed and Bossed Up Society is for you. This membership community gives you a ton of resources from myself as well as outside experts to help you grow in your faith and your business. To learn more, visit www.blessedandbossedup.com community. Again, that's blessedandbossedup.com community. Let's start the show. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media an entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny his way. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. I'm so excited to be back on here this morning with you guys. Um, As you guys know, I was in Jamaica for the last two weeks. I got married on January 19th, woo, 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 2019. Um, And then immediately after we started our honeymoon in Jamaica, I got back. We actually came back a day early. I was supposed to get back Sunday, which was yesterday. But um, we were flying through Chicago and there was a storm or something coming. So the airline was like, we suggest you guys leave a day early to avoid the snow. And I'm so glad we did because when we were, um, we still had the same flight path. So we were in Chicago Saturday. The We were like on the runway for like an hour and a half before even taking off because they had to defrost that to continue to like defrost the plane and do all of these procedures so that we would be clear to fly because it was still snowing while we was there. Like the plane was covered in snow, the um, runway and everything was covered in snow. So all the planes were backed up because they were going through all the necessary procedures to be able to uh, defrost the plane. And can I just say shout out to everybody who does those jobs, like the jobs we don't even really think about the people whose job is to make sure that we're safe. I thank God for you guys. Um, I thank God that the government is open back up. I mean, it's only open up for like three weeks. So they say, but um, just for people to be able to get back to work and get and get three more weeks of a paycheck, 
Um, I'm just happy that God has moved in that way. But yeah, the wedding was amazing. Um, we had over a hundred people from all over the world, from Nigeria, Canada, London, um, where else? Of course the U S but we had people coming from everywhere and it was so much fun to be in Jamaica as I was my fiance, oh, excuse me, my husband, <laughs> we were talking the other day and I was like, I'm glad we did a destination wedding because I personally didn't want a wedding. I wanted to just elope with just us two on a beach with maybe our parents. I didn't want like a big wedding like we had, but he's Nigerian. And for all of the people who are um, African or Caribbean or whatever, y'all families really just don't be playing that whole eloping thing. You got to have a wedding. So um, he was like, yeah, no, that's not an option. So we had this wedding and it was just awesome. But I, like I said, looking back on it, I'm glad we did the destination wedding because we were able to spend a few days with our family. It wasn't just that one day, us trying to fit in the, you know, actually doing the wedding and all of this and seeing everybody and all that within a one day span. We were able to spend multiple days with our family. We created some amazing memories with our families while we were there. So I'm just on a high to be honest with you from this from this wedding um and then even while we were down there we fasted on both Fridays so my church was doing a is doing a fast so my pastor was saying oh God shared with him that the church needed to do a fast and so we fasted every Friday of the month and then 12 days in addition to that so we fasted for like a week and a half before we left of course we fasted each Friday while we were there and then we're going to fast for the rest of the month um, now that we're back but the fasting days were amazing because it brought things into perspective like when of course we have like a wedding and stuff going on everybody's pulling you in different directions you got events and so because we had events leading up to the wedding I was running around with the coordinator making sure everything was good uh, for the wedding as well as the events leading up to it making sure um, doing stuff with my bridesmaids and all these things and so um, the fasting really kept things in the perspective and one thing I love about my Nigerian family my family doesn't do this and so I learned entering into this new family and learning about this new culture um, I, and it made me appreciate them even more so one of my husband's aunts she sat us down on um, the first Friday that we fasted and we read the Bible. She was talking to us about different things. Everything was biblically uh, rooted and we read the Bible. We prayed like it was just so awesome, man. Like seriously, it was just so awesome. And then even this, the last Friday, which was everybody was gone by then. This is actually the day before we left. We fasted and um, just I spent the whole morning just on a balcony just really in silence. Like I read my Bible, I'm doing this plan on the Bible app, um, in my phone about, and it basically breaks down the Bible into 365 days. So you can read the whole thing in a year. And so I've been on track with that. And so I fell behind because of all the wedding stuff. And so, um, I caught up with that, that morning. And then, um, I just sat still and just was listening and God was just pouring so much into me, um, so much for other people and not just myself. And it was just, it was just awesome, man. And so I'm so excited to be back home. Um, I thank God for entrepreneurship because I didn't come back home like, ugh, I got to go to work. I got to deal with this traffic. It's cold. I'm not in paradise anymore. I, I actually get to come back 
and continuously living this amazing life that God has given me. The honeymoon doesn't end because we're back in DC. So I get to come home to the same love and all of that, that I was experiencing with my husband in Jamaica. And then I also get to come back and pour into God's people and get back on board um, with this, this plan that he has for my life. So I'm just excited and I'm just so happy. And I thank God so much for what he's doing. Um, and I'm excited to just get back in my war room, get back silent and just hear from God so I can continue to pour into everybody that he has set to be connected to me. But yeah, overall, the wedding was awesome. If you follow me on Instagram, I posted a lot of pictures, even though we had a lot of people there, it was still a lot of people who couldn't come. And I know you guys support me and wanted to see pictures and things. So I, I did post a lot of pictures in my stories um, so that people could be able to still tune into the wedding. And I told you guys, there was a lesson that I learned um, that I want to share before we get into today's episode. So I told you guys on the short episode I did before we left that my father wasn't, um, that the judge said that my father couldn't come to the wedding. And so that was something that we expected. It was something, not necessarily we expected, but it was something that we knew was a risk when we decided to do a destination wedding. And ultimately we decided to do what we thought was best for us um, and continue on with it. And so um, my mother actually wasn't able to come to the wedding either. There were some unfortunate circumstances um, that led to her not being able to get a passport to come to Jamaica. And that was like so devastating, to be honest with you guys. Um, I didn't even want to say it on the last episode because I was still believing in God that she would be there. And um, she wasn't. And so to be honest with y'all, my emotions during that time was kind of like, like, how can, like, I, the God that I believe in can do miracles. You know, he'll make the sun stand still. He'll part the Red Sea. My God can do anything. So because my parents wasn't there, it wasn't because God couldn't make that happen. It was because it was in his will for that not to happen. And so understanding that it was frustrating to me because it was like, God, why wouldn't this be in your will? Like, why would you not want my parents to be there? Like, did I do something wrong? Or what? like all of these thoughts were going through my head. And, and that's why I, that's why before I left, I was telling you guys like not to lean on your own understanding because I was trying to rationalize. And even a lot of times as we grow deeper into our relationship with God and we get to know the scripture, we will even still try to use the scriptures to rationalize. So I'm saying, I might say, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaving, leaning on the Bible. Cause the Bible says that, that, that he has plans to prosper me and not to harm me, but my parents not being there is, is harming me, is hurting me. This is, this is upsetting me, you know? So I was using different scriptures like, okay, God, what's going on. But the one thing that I kept coming to, and the biggest lesson was like, you can't, pray you can't decree something that is out of alignment with God's will at the end of the day God's will will always be done and if something happens that you don't understand that you don't like that hurts your feelings you got to understand Romans eight twenty eight that all things are working out for our good and so for me looking back on the wedding day when I couldn't imagine prior to 
both of my parents not being at my wedding like that's unheard of right so despite what we've been through they've you know they've there hasn't been a major event in my life that both of them wasn't there for so for me I was like I can't even imagine them not being there but guess what my wedding was amazing you know I had the best day of my life them being there probably been the only thing that I would change but everything was amazing um and so God allowed me to, I guess, feel that because he knew I could handle it. And I also know that them not being there wasn't something that had to do with me. It's something that God wants to do in their lives as well as our lives as a family. And so I have to surrender to God's plan, even when it hurts my feelings. There's going to come a point in time for all of you guys who are leaders. There's going to become a point in time where you got to practice what you preach. There's going to become a point in time where your faith will get tested, where you're going to go through things that you don't understand. And you're going to have to man up and and come to that crossroads of, are you really who you say you are? Are you really as faith filled as you say you are? Do you really live by this book the way that you say you do? And the way that 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 you figure that out is when things come that test your faith. There's nothing that can happen in my life that will make me be done with God. Nothing. Because I've said it before and I will continue to say his track record is too good. And I can't wait to tell you the testimony or the good that comes out of this situation. It seemed big, but at the same time, all things work out for our good. And so I had to stand on what I believe in. I had to rest in God. I had to surrender my emotions to him. Like, God, this is how I feel, but I'm standing on what I know that your will is better than mine, that you have a plan still to prosper me and not to harm me. Even though this particular situation hurts, you still won't harm me. I'm still blessed, even though I didn't get this thing that I wanted so bad. So yeah, I just had to explain that to y'all. That was my really a lesson that I got from this. And um, I'm just excited about life right now. Um, for today's episode, I wanted to, I was thinking about, well, just, just sitting on the balcony that day. Like, what am I going to talk about when I get back home um, on this podcast? And I feel like it's appropriate for me to give you guys the audio of the sermon that I did. And as you guys know, back in November, I gave the first, my first official sermon, I guess, my first time preaching on a Sunday morning in the pulpit. And um, this message was very powerful. You know, this was an out-of-body experience for me. It's actually, the video version is on my YouTube channel, um, Tatum Tamia, and I'll put the link to the video version in the show notes. But I wanted to put this audio here because the title of this is called, What Are You Anchored In? And it's so important. It goes with my lesson of uh, it comes a time where or my thought of it comes a time where you have to practice what you preach. It all goes back to what are you anchored in? Because if you're not really anchored in the word of God, like you said, you might have handled the situation I went through a lot differently. You, I had joy and peace on my wedding day. I wasn't crying. I didn't shed any tears because my parents was there. It was a little a little sharp pain, a little dagger to my heart when I realized they wasn't going to come. But at the end of the day, I still had joy and peace and a beautiful day. I still fasted. I still prayed to God. I still got into my word despite what was going on. So I, I really, it's, it's a part of my 
purpose in this podcast and through my platforms is to really teach and show you guys how to live a God-centered life and not a perfect life but a life uh, that you really hunger and thirst from God and it starts with what you're anchored in because if you're anchored in brokenness and bitterness and everything that you've gone through you're not going to really be able to experience the fullness of God you're going to get blown over when situations come as opposed to staying rooted in what the word says and staying rooted in what you say that you believe And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this sermon, that your roots grow. So without further ado, here is my very first sermon and just an amazing message. What are you anchored in? I'm just so excited. Before I thank you guys, I really just got to thank God. Because like Minister Danielle says, I really, truly have a real relationship with God. So my voice is going cracked. Because I'm not used to talking about God yet. So this is just an act of obedience for me just stepping into the calling that he has on my life. So excuse my voice. My voice may be shaky, but my spirit is strong. So y'all going to still catch this anointing this morning. But I really just want to thank God. Because if you would have told me a year ago today that I'd be standing up here, I would have told you that you are crazy. If you would have told me that I would be called to the five-fold of ministry, I would have told you that you were crazy. I don't want nothing to do with that. But when I really started giving my life to God, and it's funny because I thought that when I gave my life to God, it was going to be like this poof. Like, I just had this whole dramatic scene in my head. Like, I got saved, and all of a sudden, God was going to open up the skies, and my life was going to be amazing, and everything was going to be perfect. All the problems was going to go away. And then I was going to somehow be here or doing something meaningful, but it didn't happen like that. It was just God, Tatum, do this, even when it doesn't make sense, and I do it. Tatum, I need you to do this. I say yes, even when it doesn't make sense, and I do it. So me being up here in this moment is like an out-of-body experience for me because it's just a a sum of all the yeses I gave to God. So I just got to thank God for seeing me, for choosing me, when I wasn't even really checking for him like that, to be honest with you. So yeah, I got to thank God. I want to thank you guys. I know how much you guys love the people in this church. I know how much you guys love people. So for you to just to give me this assignment or, or tell me to do this this morning, I appreciate it. It shows the value that you see in me. I thank you for all the kind words, even though y'all made me cry a little bit. <laughs> I thank you for all the kind words, and I just love you guys so much, and I appreciate you. So... The title of my message this morning is, What Are You Anchored In? Now I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right into it. So everybody bow their heads. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for what you saw in me. I thank you that just like David, when I was minding my business, that you came and you sent for me, that you called me. I thank you, Father, that only you know what every single person in this place needs. And I thank you, Father, that you have given me a word specifically for all of the people that are in here. I surrender my thoughts to you. I surrender my perspectives to you. I surrender my voice. I want every breath I breathe to be your breath breathing through me. I bow down 100%. So that, you can, so that you can prove who you are through me. So many of us struggle, God, because we can't physically see you. But you are raising up a generation that's going to be unapologetic 
about their relationship with you. So I thank you, Lord, for choosing me. And I submit myself again this day and every single day so that you may do a work through me. I want every word that comes out of my mouth to be your words. I want every thought that goes through my mind to be your thoughts. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. I pray that you open up the, the hearts of your people, that no matter what they came here with, that you are opening up their hearts so that you can do a new thing for them this morning. And I'm humbled and I'm grateful that you deem me worthy enough to deliver your word. So I thank you in advance, Father, for what you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, the name that is above every single name. Amen. Okay, so the title of my message this morning is, What Are You Anchored In? Now, I was praying about, like, what am I going to talk about this morning? Like, God, what do you want? I can, I'm a good speaker, right? I can really sit here and come up with some, some a real nice sermon. But I don't know, I don't want what I want to say to happen. I want what you want to say to happen. So I, I got before God, I fasted, I sat in his presence, and I was like, God, what do you, what's the message that you have for your people? So first he gave me the title of, What Are You Anchored In? And then he gave me a very specific message. He says that my people need to truly fall in love with me, old and young. So this may be Millennial Sunday, but God is not leaving anybody out. My people need to truly fall in love with me. Love is rooted in your heart, but it's also a verb that is shown through your actions. If my people truly love me, their actions and their heart will be on the same page. I'm rising up a generation that needs guidance, that needs the guidance and wisdom of previous generations. So when I got that, I was like, okay, that sounds good, but what does that have to do with being anchored? It, it just really wasn't, it wasn't clicking for me. So what God began to share with me is my people need to really fall in love with me for real, for real. Not just come to church, but really give their hearts to me. He's, he's tired of us being contradicting Christians. You say you love God, but he told you to start that business 10 years ago, and the only place is God is on the vision board. You say you love God, but you come to church with a heaviness, a wall up that's blocking you from really being able to hear from him. You say you trust God, but he told you to do something a long time ago that you didn't do. Now you're trying to figure out where is this increase in things that I'm believing in, but the increase is connected to the yes that he asked you for so long ago. So God is saying, my people need to truly fall in love with me for real. You don't, have to, to, you don't have to get disciplined to spend time with somebody that you love. I'm about to marry him. I love him. You don't got to tell me or I don't got to pencil him in. I want to spend time with him. I don't got to pencil my family in. I want to spend time with them because I love them. And God wants us to truly fall in love with him so we can be able to not rely on a pastor, not rely on anybody that's standing up here, but rely on our one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. So, and speaking of procrastination, let me get this out, put a little pin here. Procrastination or, or intending to do something that God told you to do is still disobedience. God didn't intend to create the heavens and the earth, he did it. We have to execute we are representatives of Christ in this earth. We have to be executors. We can't say, I, I'm, I'm intending to start this business. I'm going to start this ministry. We have to be obedient to what God says when he says it, even when it doesn't make sense, because there's always a, a path and something that's connected to it for us. So for any of you guys who may be procrastinating on something, we got to execute. 
Instead of being, I said, contradicting Christians, but we got to be Christians who complete God's assignment. BJ said that, raise your hand if you want to live your best life every single day. The way that you do that is you say yes to God consistently and not put him off and then want him to bless you right now. It, it don't work like that. So when, I was, when God was showing me that he wanted people, his people to truly fall in love with him, I was like, okay, let's figure out what love is. Because somebody may have one definition of love. I may have another definition of love. You may think you love God, but it's not true. So let's just go right into the scripture. So I'm going to go to, and y'all turn with me, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And I'm going to be reading it out of the New Living Translation. Y'all there? Need a little time? Y'all there? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. So it says, love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So we need to truly fall in love with God by allowing our actions to align with what the scripture says. And so for you guys, we do got a lot of visitors in here this morning. So at Liberty, for the last few months, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. And matter of fact, the scripture that we've been anchored in, no pun intended, uh, is Deuteronomy 7. So I want y'all to turn with me to Deuteronomy 7 right now. So Deuteronomy 7 says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're about to enter and occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Havites, and the Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. And so if y'all want to go through, um, learn about like what each spirit is, go to YouTube. Go to Liberty Christian Church, Maryland. <laughs> and y'all will be able to... Um, Go back to the scriptures to see what these spirits are. And but as we were talking about spiritual warfare for the last few weeks, as I was sitting in my seat, I, I became burdened a little bit. And so I was like, God, what is this heaviness I feel about this topic? Like, what's going on? And I, and I think the heaviness is that a lot of people aren't even in a position to truly be able to digest and apply the subject of spiritual warfare. It's like feeding a, a steak to an infant. We're just not mature enough yet to be able to digest what it is that we're being fed. And it's nothing wrong with that, but we got to identify where we are so that we can be able to build on it. And so the reason why a lot of us aren't able to really digest this spiritual warfare topic is because of our anchor. So I want to take a second to define what anchor is so we're all on the same page. Anchor, to anchor something means to secure firmly in position. Oh, thank you, my nose is running. To anchor something is to secure firmly in position, to provide with a firm basis or foundation. The reason why a lot of us can't wrap our head around the spiritual warfare is because our foundation is off. Because we're trying to build a house on, on uneven ground. When I first gave my life to God, I got saved in middle school. But I got saved, saved 
like a couple years ago when I really made a decision that I was going to live my life for God beyond just going walking down to the front at the service. And what I realized was only thing I really knew about Christianity or living a life for God was rooted in a mask or a uniform. Go to church on Sunday, pray, be nice to people, don't smoke, don't drink, don't have sex. It was all of these rules and regulations that I was associating with having a relationship with God as opposed to really giving my heart to God. And I remember I was at an event here. Um, it was a youth event. And Minister Danny walked up to me and was like, God needs more from you. And I was mad. I was so mad. And not mad at her, but I was mad at God because it's like, what do you mean you need more from me? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I got my Christian handbook. I'm checking them off. You know what I mean? Shoot, I'm here. It's Friday night. I'm helping out with the kids. I could be out right now. What do you mean you need more from me? And God said, Tatum, I need your heart. It's not about what you do. And, and for so long, I was taught when being a Christian is about what you do. It's like chopping down a tree. The tree just going to grow back if you don't dig those roots up. So God was like, Tatum, I need your heart. Because once you give me your heart, your actions will fall into place. It's easy to obey God now because I love him. Because I gave my heart to him, it's easy to do the right thing. It's easy to stay the course and not turn back. Because I love him. I want to make him proud of me. But that wasn't going to happen if I tried to attack my relationship with God with the, the actions and not the heart. I was anchored in my brokenness as opposed to being anchored in God's word, in God's love. He needed my heart. He needs your heart. So I was coming to church, I was doing all these things, but I was building that house on a rocky foundation. He needed me to pick them floors up, put that shovel in that ground, get, figure out, like, I realized that doing the, my checklist of being a Christian was a whole lot easier than being vulnerable with God. Because I didn't know how to be vulnerable with people. And a lot of us, we focus so much on what we do, we take this same mask that we put on and we live in in a day-to-day, -day, especially as young people, or, or for real, for especially as black people, we know how to look good and be broke on the inside. We know how to do that. We're professionals at that. We've been doing that since the beginning of time. So when it comes to our faith walk, we try to apply that same backwards methodology to our relationship with God, but he wants our heart. So God needed me to dig up my brokenness. He needed me to take them walls down so that he can be able to genuinely use me. Like I said, I was anchored in my brokenness. And so that's the reason why a lot of us aren't able to really digest this spiritual warfare topic because we can't even get there yet. We're still stuck on what we're going to do on Monday. We're still stuck on my bills ain't paid. We're still stuck on that, the, the, bro, the daddy issues that we have. We're still stuck on those past relationships. We're still stuck. Our, our anchor is still, is still secure in things that God wants us to dig up. And so when it came to the spiritual warfare topic, it was like a lot of people were trying to take a, a, a college-level exam with an elementary education. And so we got to go back to the basics. And the basics is lifting up that anchor. Thank you. The basics is lifting up that anchor out of whatever it is right in right now and planting it in the things of God. 
So remember, I was praying, I was asking God, what does his people need from me? And the second part to what he said was, I'm raising up a generation that needs guidance and wisdom from the previous generation. And when we think about millennials, since this is Millennial Sunday, I don't think it's a coincidence that, I don't think the smart people of the world did this with any other generation, but it seems like when it comes to millennials, everybody got all of this statistics about us or all of these, these thesis papers and all these things about millennials that's driving a wedge between the, the generations before us and us. It's I don't understand them kids and we like they old, I don't understand them. And that same thing that's happening in the world is translating into the body of Christ. But God wants to do something in this generation, and we need the guidance of the generations before us. We need what you guys have gone through. But if we're too busy fighting each other, we're too busy clashing, how am I going to fulfill everything that God put on the inside of me? I need people like you guys. I need people like Tanya and Virgil. We need y'all. Because y'all will be able to see things in us. Y'all are more mature than us. Y'all been through more than us. Y'all be able to see things in us to help pull it out of us. The next generation needs people like me. They need to learn how to live in a world that wants you to, to worship the, the God of the world as opposed to the God in heaven. They need to know how to live for Christ and still have fun. They need me. But I can't be too busy fighting them to not guide them into, or pull out in them what I see on the inside of them. And the same thing for, for the previous generations. I need y'all. God has given me a gift. And y'all talked about it. God has given me a, a very specific gift. And it's funny because I, for a long time, I didn't know what my gift was. I'm good at a lot of stuff. I got a lot of skills. I can pretty, I, I personally feel like with my work ethic and the skills I have, I could be like successful in almost anything that I do. But I made a decision that I wanted to live the life that God saw for me before he formed me in my mother's womb. And in order for me to do that, I had to get on board with what his plan was and just go ahead to lay the rest whatever I had planned for my life. But with that, I was like, okay, God, what's my gift then? Good at a lot of stuff, but what's my gift? He said, Tatum, when you open your mouth, everybody's stopping their tracks. When you open your mouth, things change in the spirit and in the natural. And he brought back to my remembrance when I was younger, I never wanted to talk to people. My grandmother tell you, see the amen. <laughs> I never wanted to talk to people. I hated every time that I was in school, the teacher would always call on me. I'd be like, why are they bothering me? Leave me alone. Or I would always try to fade to the back. Or whenever I opened my mouth and the room got quiet, I'd be like, bruh, I'm not talking no more. I'm tired of everybody looking at me. But God began to show me, you've been running from that for long enough. That's the gift I put on the inside of you, and that gift is going to lead nations. That gift is going to not only make room for you, but everybody in your family. So I said, all right, yes, God. But I wouldn't be able to tap into this if the previous generations before me didn't guide me and impart wisdom into me. And so I say this to, I say, this to say for you guys in the, I ain't gonna call you old, but <laughs> you know, in the, uh, the season saints, <laughs> we need for you guys to, to pour into us 
And it, going back to being anchored, the reason why that disconnect is there is we're anchored in the wrong thing. One thing I know about, or I've learned about generations before me is you, you guys were always taught what happens in this house stays in this house. Don't take your business out there in the world. You were groomed to have this mask on, and nobody ever taught us how to take the mask off. And so because of that, again, that translates into the church. So you can't connect with me because the both of us have got our masks on talking to each other. But God can't bless us with a mask on. He can't bless this persona that we've created that everything is okay. He can only bless who we really are in our hearts. But again, the reason why the disconnect is there is because we're rooted, our foundation is off, we're anchored in the wrong thing. I was anchored in my brokenness. Your, your anchor may be in you think that you got, got yourself this far. You think that you're successful because of something that you did. You think you got yourself out of that relationship that you was in. You think you got yourself this far as opposed to putting your anchor in what God said. So back to the main question, what are you anchored in? We have to identify that stuff so that we can come together and, and do the things that God has called us all to do. Tanisha talked about it when she was singing. God wants our hearts. He don't want the mask. He wants our hearts. And in order for us to truly live out, so I mentioned Jeremiah 1 and 5. It's my favorite scripture of all time. Before I, I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you apart and I set you as a prophet to the nations. Before we can get into alignment with what God saw before he formed us in our mother's womb, we got to check what we're rooted in. We got to dig some stuff up of our, out of our foundation. Amen? So I got three points. I'm not going to be up here before y'all long, but I got three points I want to go over about checking this anchor. Point number one is we got to take the mask off. Before we do anything, before we live our life the way God called us to live it, before we, we live in this, this abundant life, we have to, to take the mask off. So turn with me to 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If God looks at our heart, why can't we take the mask off when presenting ourselves to him? He knows what you're going through. When God told me he needed my heart, that freed me. Because I was like, okay, God, Jesus can really be my friend then. Because <laughs> I can be honest with him. So God wants you to take your mask off because he deals with the heart. He don't care what you look like. When, um, when uh, Samuel went to appoint David as king, same, uh, David's father, Jesse, brought all the other sons into the house because they looked better, they was tall, they was handsome. From the outside looking in, he thought, oh, clearly one of these uh, uh, guys is going to be king. But he wanted David because he, David's heart was right. So we got to take our mask off. We got to check our foundation. A lot of us young people, we got to check our foundation. It don't matter what our parents did. What you going to do? You got to live your own life at some point. 
It don't matter what they did. It don't matter who hurt you. God loves you. God saved you from yourself and from every single thing that was set up to, to harm you. So we got to take our mask off. Sometimes our mask is, is pretty. Sometimes it's brokenness. Ms. and Danny's always tell me, you need to smile. And I'll be like, <laughs> what you mean smile? You know, all this stuff's going on in my head. But God needed my heart. I had to take the mask off. But when I gave him my heart was when I was really able to blossom. So that was point number one. We got to take the mask off. Number two, it's my favorite one. We got to anchor our attitudes. So turn with me to 2 Timothy 1.7. Amari said this in her prayer this morning. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Turn with me to Luke 10, 19. It says, look, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. It's funny how sometimes we come into church or we uh, approach life from a defeatist perspective when everything in the scripture says that we already won. I don't, I don't really understand it. We come in here with the heaviness of, I'm here. Our, our back's hunched over, I'm here. Barely able to praise God, but why do you have a defeatist attitude about the fight when you already, it says you already win? We've been talking about spiritual warfare, and yeah, we talked about the different spirits, but I'm like, the beginning of that scripture says that he brought them into the land that they were called to occupy. So that means I'm already in my next level. I just got to fight some, some spirits to get there? Line them up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But our attitude is wrong. We're forfeiting a fight that's already fixed in our favor. That does not make sense. A lot, of, a lot of us come to church and we approach life from a defeatist standpoint. There's so many scriptures that, that lets us know that we already win. Even, take the scriptures I just said. If the Bible says that for God has given us a spirit of fear and timidity, he's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, what am I scared about? If he took me into the territory I'm supposed to occupy, he said that these spirits are, are greater and numerous than me, but I'm going to defeat them. Why am I afraid? Why am I timid? I don't know about y'all, but I've been into a couple fights in my life. And the last thing I'm about to do is fight scared. If I know I'm about to win a fight, the person's smaller than me, I'm bigger than them, I'm stronger than them. Oh, I got all the confidence in the world about this fight because I'm about to win. So why is it when it comes to our faith walk, we always got to approach it from a, a, a defeatist standpoint? Even if we look at Psalms 23, 6, it says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. In Philippians 4 and 7, it says, Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We don't stand, as, 
as believers, we got to stop standing in the situation as opposed to standing in the scripture. We have to stop standing in the situation as opposed to standing in the scripture. I'm not crying about a fight I already won. That's counterproductive. Because I got to get, he said I'm in a promised land. He said these spirits are coming. So let me just hurry up and get these fights over with so I can enjoy this next level. But we got to change our attitudes. God called us to live an abundant life. Abundance isn't just money. We get caught up in the money, the success. He called us to live a life of an abundance of peace, of joy, of love. The money is just a bonus. And that's not to say that we're not going to go through things, but we got to fix our attitudes about the fight. Life happens. I've been this week, I done had some cry in the car moments. But as I'm crying, I'm reciting the scripture. As I'm crying, if I can't even find the scripture, I know that, that the name Jesus is all I need. So I'm crying my tears and I'm pleading the name of Jesus. And then I get up and I remember who I am and whose I am. So we have to do the same thing. As, as, and we have to, again, check that anchor. We got to anchor our attitude in what God said and not what we see. If God said you a millionaire, then anything that rises up against that is a liar. He said, I'm a millionaire, so if Wells Fargo misses some zeros, it's a liar. <laughs> Seriously. If he said that, that, that till death do you part for you and your husband, that argument is a liar. So we have to stand in what he said and not what we see. We got to have the attitude of victory and not the attitude of defeat. Only then are we going to really be able to do some damage in the kingdom. The enemy makes the world look real attractive. The world is fun. It'll give you no problems. I mean, it'll give you problems, but... At least you ain't got to deal with, I know young people, I've been reading um, a lot of statistics, and the statistics are showing how young people are just running away from the church in droves. We're running to things like witchcraft. They had a whole witch conference in Baltimore. And then I was reading this article, and it was talking about the conference, and they were interviewing people like, well, why are you here? And a lot of them are still Christians. <laughs> They say they go to church too, but they turn into these witchcraft things. They want to rely on spiritual things as opposed to religious. Now, part of it is people don't want no accountability and the Holy Spirit holds you accountable. That's part of it. But it's also because a lot of us as believers, we haven't checked our anchor. So we're driving people away that we're supposed to be opening with open arms. My life should be an example of God's grace. We're the first, we're the front line. We're the salespeople. We're the marketers for God. Why are you letting somebody else buy this, this worldly product and not, go, and not buy into the God that you serve? And most of it is, is because of our attitudes, because we're standing in a situation, because we're not, we're not taking off that mask. So again, we have, to, we have to anchor our attitudes. That was number two. And then the last one is we got to be proactive and not reactive. Jeremiah 1.8 says that 
Study the, this book of instructions, talking about the Bible, continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This instruction, you guys, this Bible, we have it so that we can meditate on it day and night, so that we can get the word in our hearts. The reason why your attitude is messed up in, in, the, in the fight is because you don't, you don't know what the promise is. Because you haven't really fallen in love with God for real, to want to spend time with him. It's, it's all a, a, a domino effect. But if you meditate on the word day and night, then you get it in your heart. So then when these situations arise, you can check yourself. According to Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. So a part of being proactive as opposed to reactive, and I, I said I've been in some fights in my life, I'm not going to wait for nobody to beat me up for me to fight back. I'm going in swinging if I know the fight is coming. You may get a couple licks in, but I'm going in swinging. It's the same thing with these spiritual fights that we go through. We have to be proactive and not reactive. We got to go into it swinging and swinging the word of God. I got a type A personality when it comes to some stuff. So I have this document in my computer. And every prophetic word that's tested, because I don't take prophetic words from anybody, um, any prophetic word that somebody gives me, I put it in this document. I either record them, and then I, I type it in a document later, or after they're done, I'll write it down, and I'll go put it there. And the reason why I do that is because the Bible says that you can decree a thing, and it will be established. So if these things have been spoken to me, and then God gives me things about myself as well that goes into this document, I'm saying this document every single day. Before the situation happens, I'm starting my day decreeing a thing so it will be established. The Bible says he's given us the, kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever we uh, loose on earth shall be loose in heaven, and whatsoever we bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. I'm binding and loosing stuff before it comes. Because I know the calling that's on my life. The enemy to work real hard to get me from not being up here, and he's going to work harder. I got targets on my back. I don't got time to be out here being soft. I'm saved. I ain't soft. For real, I'm saved, I'm not soft. So I'm proactive instead of reactive. I know he coming, but I got something for you. I'm winning. Everything in this book that I meditate day and night says I win. Everything. God has spoke amazing things into my life. You think I'm not about to fight to get them, them things? So again, we, everybody, you have to be proactive and not reactive. It may not be a document for you. Whatever it is, maybe you got to listen to stuff. Put them declarations in your phone and listen to them on the way to work. Do whatever it is you got to do. Get your strategy together. Because the enemy got a strategy too. It's to harm you. It's to kill, steal, and destroy. So you're going to go out easy or going to go out with a fight. And the funny thing is you're not going to go out because the word says that you win. So when it comes to being an anchor, we got to figure out what it is that foundation is, what it is that's causing that foundation to be uneven, and dig it up so that God can do a new thing on the inside of us. He is raising up a generation 
that is unapologetic about him. And we need all of y'all. The generation that's coming after us needs us. But we have to do the work ourselves first. We got to figure out what's causing us from not being able to receive these spiritual warfare um, teachings. So I'm going to go over each point one more time. The first one, take the mask off. He knows our heart anyway, so let's, let's not play no games, okay? Number two, anchor your attitude. Do not forfeit a fight that's already fixed in your favor. It does not make sense. And number three, be proactive as opposed to reactive. You have to constantly live in a state of what God said and not what you see. I wear glasses and contacts. My natural vision is terrible, but my spiritual vision is 2020. Because I'm, I'm coming for everything God said is mine. Everything and everyone. Pastor be joking about calling me the Queen of Sheba. And I keep it real, I know who she was. So I looked her up. And so she t- it, the, and the, where she comes up, it talks about like how wealthy she was and things like that. But what appealed to me the most was how wealthy her country was. Not only was she wealthy, but everybody connected to her was living in abundance. There's people's, there's people's deliverance that is contingent upon you saying yes to God. There's people's lives that are at stake. Y'all saw I have a podcast. Y'all saw the people that came in here. I don't know them personally. They're here because of the assignment that God has on my life. What if I didn't walk into what God told me to do? What would that mean for them? And God has put something on the inside of every single one of you in here. Whether it's that business, whether it's that that vision board, doesn't matter, or that, um, that vision, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You have to say yes to God. Because somebody else's destiny is contingent upon your obedience. But before you get the, the strength to say yes to God, or before you are actually able to walk in the fulfillment of the things that he has for you, you got to take the mask off. you got to anchor that attitude. And that took a long time for me because my attitude was horrible. Okay, Grandma, you ain't have to laugh like that. <laughs> That's funny. But also, we have to be proactive and not reactive. Pastor always talks about how it's like the enemy has a foul on us where he knows everything. All our triggers, all the things that's going to get us back to the world. We got to work against that. I'm not leaving no door open. And if I do, I'm closing it immediately. We can't be one foot in and one foot out. The Bible says a double-sided man is unstable in all their ways. If you're not anchored in what God said, you're unstable in all your ways. He said be hot or cold, not lukewarm, not in the middle. And for us as young people, it's easy for us to be in the middle. It's real easy. We can come to church on Sunday. We can go to the club on Saturday. We can cuss our coworkers out on Tuesday when they piss us off. We can sleep with our boyfriends on Friday and then be back at church on Sunday. And it's acceptable because it's popular. But we got to be on fire for God. 
Because whether you like it or not, your life is a representation of God. And somebody may reject the God that they need because of something that you unconsciously did. God is raising up a generation of people who are unapologetic about him. And we need y'all. They need me. But we all have to do everything that I've talked about so that we can tap into what God has for us and not let our perception of the fight delay the promise. So in conclusion, like I ended the same way I started, what are you anchored in? It's a lot of you guys who are here right now who are anchored in some brokenness still, who are anchored in the things that happen to you, who are anchored in the church that hurt you, and you have to dig that up and put that foundation into what God said. So I'm done. Thank you guys so much for having me up here.